Well, we're back again. It's us. And I'm here for one reason and one reason only. <laughs> I need beard care. I need beard care tips. What do I do? How do I make this look less spindly and and better? Uh, get better jeans. Well, I mean, I've got a pretty good pair of jeans over there. There you go. I don't know how that'll help my beard. Um, okay. That that was my impromptu intro. Nice. Hey Noah, I have I have a question for you. Okay. If you could know the circumstances of your death, not the time of death, like explicitly not your time of death, just how you will die. Yeah. Would you take yeah. that? No. Why not? Because that sounds like a horrible idea. <laughs> because then, let's say it's like you died in a car accident. I will be paranoid about driving my vehicle for the rest of my life. Yeah. What, however long that ends up being. Yeah, I had the exact if same. If it's something... Yeah. If it ends up being something like you died skydiving, well, then that might work out. That's fair. That's avoidable. You just don't skydive? Exactly. But if it's something that's like an everyday thing where like you you died out for a walk, <laughs> that would that would kind of suck and I would rather not know. Yeah. I don't know why I got thinking of that, but I had the exact same answer. It was like I would be paranoid for my entire life. Yeah, that that's pretty random, but yeah, I don't I don't want to know anything about my death. Thank you. I mean, even the time would kind of suck because then you're just counting down the days and you're like, well... Like, it's true, but then you could actually work up to it and be like, hey, I want to accomplish things. I have, like, a set marker. What if it's like you'll die tomorrow? Um, I would cry. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't see um, any of my friends. Yeah, you wouldn't have seen any of your friends for literally two months. I would have seen some of my friends, but not most of them. I would just call what everyone. Mean? Not in person, though. Yeah? Who have you seen in person in the last two months? I've seen some people. Okay, oh, I guess besides people that were still on res. Yeah, I've seen people on res. Um, I have seen people who are, like, friends with me and my sister and my brother-in-law. We've um. seen each other. Because we're like, we're all clean. I'm not clean, I'm dirty. You bet you are. Speaking of which, we have our first review. Oh yeah, which we should probably we should read just, out and discuss. We on should have podcast. just used that as an intro. We're stupid. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, this review. Um, this is from the user Kingston five seventy four. Now, I want to clarify that I don't think Glendon nor I know who this is. I. I don't think this is somebody in our direct friend group. If it is, they should... I don't know. If it is, they should speak up. Yeah, if it is, they should speak up, 100%. I but was, here's what the review says. I was going to suggest, like, flaming them on Twitter, but... Whatever uh, no, no. Um, here, I'm going to read this out, and we'll discuss each point in detail. <laughs> These two hilariously tackle 
complex aspects of spirituality and everyday life with heart and vigor. Now, I want to ask a question here. What does what does heart and vigor mean? <laughs> See, vigor just like vigor just makes me think like drunk for some reason. Which I mean, you, vigor, <laughs> you could be drunk. Well, that's not what I thought. That of. wouldn't surprise me. Vic- I mean, I am currently. Nice. That would be a fun podcast. Um, but heart, okay, so like with hearts, that means like, you know, we're emotionally invested. Compassion. Com- compassion, empathy, mm-hmm. but vigor, that means we're like really into it or like, yeah. like when you do something vigorously, you're like rapidly or intensely. Yeah. I don't think we're that intense, but okay. Trust me. I can't There are times intense. you'll find yourself. <laughs> Wait, you can be intense? I can be intense. Trust me. There are times you'll find yourself laughing so hard you'll have to pull over. And other times you'll be three tissues deep in a matter of seconds. Now, I need to ask a question here. No. What do you mean by three tissues no. deep? No. I hate like, you so Are we much. talking you're crying or yes. are you doing something else? Because I'm just going to say I've had people tell me they've been doing something else. and I don't think that's to the podcast. I think that's to your ASMR stuff. Yeah, true. Um, but I mean, if if this is what makes you happy, then I'm not gonna judge. Um, oh my gosh! Um, you, they found that magical combo. Oh, wait, you have something else. So here, say? here's my thing. Um, the implication of this is that this yeah. person listens to our podcast while driving. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Who um, do we know that does that? Yeah, and like I, I can't imagine anyone that I know plugging in our like I can't imagine having someone in, in my friend group who has a podcast and plugging that in on my morning commute that would be really weird yeah. for me like okay I, I'm gonna maybe flame someone here but like I know I, I like I'm pretty sure Logan and Dion have listened to our podcast while they've driven before okay never mind <laughs> yeah um, which, okay, I, we're grateful and we appreciate your, your, um, I was going to say viewership, uh, listenership. Um, it's okay if you want to hear our voices while you drive. I think partly I like also I just don't listen to podcasts while driving. See, I do. That's something I do enjoy, but okay, here's the thing. This, when, when, um, the line says you'll, uh, find yourself laughing so hard you'll have to pull over. Mm-hmm. That's something I've heard Rob Bell say in his podcast before. Like, oh, you're going to have to pull over. Oh, is Rob Bell listening to our podcast? Well, no, I'm just saying maybe it's someone who has, um, listened to the Robcast. Okay. That's my theory, but it could just be someone who legitimately had to pull over. Maybe. Um, okay, I'm going to continue. They found that magical combo of humor and earnestness, and it seriously works. We tried really hard <laughs> to find that combo, but we slaved away. Uh, yeah, um, we spent hours prepping before each episode trying to come up with, Hey, you know, I spent a lot of time prepping for that first episode. Yeah, that's true. That's probably the most prep work you put into any of the episodes. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly true. Um, earnestness. That's such an, a peculiar word. Well, it's important to be earnest. Okay, nope. Nope. Okay, now we're getting to the part that's all about you. Have I... Have, Glendon has a way of... Have I told you what? my story about that? About what? There is... 
I so when I was reading the importance of being earnest, I would like talk to my dad about it at some point. And apparently okay. there was a point where I was gonna be well, my dad wanted to name me Ernest. Um and my mom vetoed it because then I'd be Ernest Frank. <laughs> I, I like that. That's not happening. That's brilliant. Glendon has a way of communicating ideas in such a light that you can't help but listen and reconsider your own ways of thinking. That is when he's not going down a Star Wars rabbit trail. Oh, and his comedic timing is excellent. So you got complimented and booshed there. I don't I don't good. think that's a boosh. I think that is also a compliment. Well, it depends if they enjoy the Star Wars rabbit trail. I mean, I do. So that's all that really matters to me. <laughs> True. Let's but be, man, that first compliment Let's be honest. The first compliment's pretty intense. It, it's pretty intense. Um, which is also why I don't think this is somebody that we know. Because this person yeah. is praising me way more than I could ever deserve. Um, That's a good point. I'm not that profound. Maybe. Um, but here's the thing. Yes. I feel like we record this podcast more because we enjoy it than for a specific audience. And so if I enjoy the Star Wars stuff, that's a compliment. And we know at least one person enjoys your Star Wars stuff. Ben? <laughs> yep. Okay, here's the thing with that comment about, like, you can't help but listen and reconsider your own ways of thinking. The wording on that is something that I could imagine, like, a professor saying if they were trying to compliment you, like, on a paper. Like, but quite frankly... Like no offense to you on the podcast, but I don't I don't know if we've said either of us have said anything that's worth reconsidering other ways of thinking. I've like I've said a couple of things that are I think are like good succinct ways of viewing a thing. I don't know that's if fair. anything I've said is like life changing. Like, could you imagine if Darren were to listen to our podcast that he would say something about your Oh, not like work? that. Yeah, that's what I was... So it's somebody who's probably, like, it seems like they're at the very least in academia as in, like, they're a student, but it doesn't seem like they're a professor. I, I don't think that's a super academic thing to say. I feel like... No. I mean, like, we know Colin has listened, but the, the, this isn't something that Colin would say. This is not a Colin... Yeah, no. No, no, no. Um, but I, I'm just saying this person clearly knows how to write. I mean, Sure. They know how to write Which persuasively. Most people don't. Like, I would grade this review a pretty decent. Like, if I were editing it, mm -hmm. there's not a lot to to fix. This is what I'm pointing out. Um, I do have one theory, but okay. I'll get to that. First, I've got to read my part. Yeah. And Noah is at times a little too frivolous and crude. I fundamentally disagree. I fundamentally but I still somehow. Agree. <laughs> no. No. How? What do you mean, how? <laughs> but I still find myself giggling at his over-the-top introductions. Two words, nut butter. <laughs> See? It all works out in the end. I'm not frivolous. Okay, maybe I don't know if I'm frivolous. Maybe I'm crude. Frivolous, I don't know if it's a word I would use. Crude, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but look, they were giggling at nut butter. See, that sentence made me think, like, maybe if Matthew Pierce took it seriously and listened to all of the podcast episodes. Could you imagine? 
That would be the weirdest thing, but Here's so the thing. basically that's not it. If Matthew Pierce had an iTunes account, it wouldn't be like whatever Kingston. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see that leads is Kingston five seventy four is like who would who I would feel make like it's name? just some random guy. Maybe. I think it has to be some um, random guy. Or girl. Or yeah, true. whichever. Um, this person uh, continues talking about me, saying, You can tell he thinks differently from most people, and he has a deep heart for others, even if he won't outrightly admit it. I admire his vision for spirituality. I don't know how I feel about that. I think that's spot on. I think it... I I agree, but I just don't know if that comes across on the podcast, but I guess maybe. Your true self comes across. That would be... Well, I mean... Okay, I'm not going to argue with that, but also my ego kind of took that to heart, which means, is it really my true self? No. Or is your ego um, your true okay. self? No. That is fundamentally wrong. I'm proud to consider Noah and Glendon my friends. That I, That's the weirdest part, I've got to say. Sorry, sorry for the person who wrote this and is currently listening, and it's like, <laughs> wait, they aren't my friends? <laughs> Okay, yeah, no, I'm not saying that we're not friends, especially if I know you and we're probably friends. But like this is just if you if you don't know us at all and you consider us I mean to be fair, I watch people on YouTube or on Twitch that like I feel like are my friends, but I know I wouldn't consider them friends. Yeah, I think that's a very legitimate like twenty first century pop culture phenomenon. That's like pretty common. Yeah. Anyway, and I truly believe you'll enjoy listening to them go off on wild tangents, only to string together a common theme at the last minute. That's accurate. That is our podcast. Yep. Uh, that yeah, you know, I gotta give big props to whoever wrote that one. That one's a uh, very, very good. I mean, I don't know. I also want to say, because the last thing I think we want is for the person who read this to listen to this and feel bad. We're not like. Oh no, we appreciate. We're, we're just trying to figure out who wrote it. We are. And I think we're also mostly surprised because this is like the only review that we have right now. And we're like, what yeah. the heck is this? Where did this come from? This is a new segment on the podcast. If you write a review, we are absolutely going to yes! read it. Um, Dude, if we were like, if we were a popular podcast, we would actually get so much reviews from that. Oh, I know. But we're not a popular podcast and we have no listeners. <laughs> Except have... for Kingston 574. And Ben. And Ben. <laughs> Unless they're one and the same. So take a moment or two hours and jump into the chaotic good that is 3040 vision. You, sh- you won't regret it. I think that last sentence is pretty great. It's mocking us for being really long, which is understandable. Um, there are longer but podcasts, also the- though. Oh, 100%. But, I mean, I get it. And jump into the chaotic good. I love that they describe 3040 vision as chaotic good. It's accurate. The chaotic goodness. Mm. So all I'm trying to say is this review is pretty pretty great and we appreciate it. I feel like I aspire to be chaotic good. Okay, so here's my here, here's where I'm at with okay. who, who wrote this. I think we might actually know who wrote this, okay. but I don't know for sure. Um, like, for example, we know it's not someone like Sarah Joy. Sergio yeah. would never say those things about us. Also, she's not on speaking terms with anybody. Yeah, she's not on speaking terms with any of us. So, um, friends off. Yes. Um, 
Anyway, like Maddie hasn't listened to the podcast, so that's a clear. No. Sad. Uh, slight revision. She may have listened to episode one. So it's not Maddie. Um, Sarah Fenn hasn't listened to, I don't think, anything besides the, the one episode. Sarah Sinanen. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah, she's married now. I forgot to, yeah, congrats, congrats. if you're listening to this, which is highly unlikely. Does she not um, listen? I don't think so. Okay. But understandable because she's busy. And married. And married. And also working at a church. So. Yeah. It's um, a crazy time. That limits it to basically uh, of people that we know mm-hmm. like both of us know I should say yeah it would be someone like here's the thing like I know Logan and Dion have actually listened to I think almost all of the yeah. podcast if not all of it I just can't see them saying the things that are said in this also uh, review though like we called them out on the discord or at least we called out this person on the discord and neither yeah, of but them, no one replied n- neither of them said anything about it so we don't think it's anybody on the discord it can't be but i feel like logan and dion besides ben are the only people i know that have actually listened to all of the podcast i'm trying to think i'm sure there's i mean no it's not ben i'm pretty sure it's not ben because he doesn't know you and this seems a little too flowery for ben yeah, I don't think because there are other people who have told me that they have watched this or listened, and I don't think it's any of them. I will say, uh, Ben, we we appreciate your listenership. You're a good. You can boy. leave us a review. Please leave us a review. So okay, there's one person that could be way out of left field that I feel like would write like this. Colin. No, but you're thinking closer to the same lines. I just don't know if she has the time to have listened to enough of this podcast to say those things. Nikayla? Yeah. Huh. Because these are things I could imagine Nikayla saying. I can see it. Like, the deep heart for others is such, like, a mm-hmm. a pastoral thing to say. Yeah. Um, Consider no one Glenn and my friends. That actually makes sense in this context. Yeah. I could see it. I feel like the voice is distant enough to not be someone in our immediate friend group, but mm-hmm. I could see it being possibly Nikayla. That would not entirely surprise me. My theory is still that it's just somebody we don't know, but that would yeah. be a good runner-up. I think if it's... Of all the people we know, I think Nikayla is most likely to have written this. I think that's a good... If yeah. she's listened to the podcast to any degree. I think she said she has. I don't know. I think she said she was going. To. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if she ever did. If she were... Because I, I remember us talking to her and she was like, yeah, I'll do that. And I could see her um, only getting to that recently and then leaving a review. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but whoever you are, if you're listening, we appreciate your review. We want you to out yourself on Twitter. Here's um, another thing. T- tweet at us. Um, I'm just looking at the people who are following us on Twitter, like the podcast specifically. Um, so Nikayla does. We have like 11 followers. We do. Uh, Nikayla does. Uh, we do. Sarah. Joy. Um, ben does. Darren does. Dion and Logan do. <laughs> Wait, that's so weird. Yeah. Dion and Logan do. 
Rachel Schwartz does, Schwartz does, but I don't know yep. how much she's listened. I have no idea. I, yeah, I don't. I, that, I mean, that's a possibility, actually, but I don't know. Um, Steven Stewart is following us. I don't know if he's listened to anything. I don't think Fair. he would leave that glowing ever review. I don't know how well yeah. you know Victor Penner. I know him a little bit Okay, through Rachel Schwartz. Okay. And through you. Yeah. Because Victor Penner is following us, and I could see him saying this sort of stuff and being like, "This, these people are really cool, and I'm friends with them." Huh? Maybe I don't like. I've only really hung out with him two or three times, okay. so I can't speak to it. But um, and I think one of them was driving to. Uh, where did we drive to? UFC. Maybe for the play. I also was he with us then. I think he I was. I yeah, also you were in the vehicle. Don't know how much he's listened, if at all. Uh, that ends this segment of reading reviews of Thirty Forty Vision. Please leave us a review. Please help us keep this segment alive. We need more goofy this dumb is segments. The best. Yeah. Right now, our only segment is talking about Star Wars, and that's not a segment. But believe me, this is about to get better because I've got another surprise goofy segment with a guest. You have a guest? I didn't. E- I didn't even tell Glennon about this beforehand. Yeah, Noah has have told a surprise me absolutely guest. nothing about what's happening. We have a surprise guest this episode. Sadly, though, it's not live and in person because that couldn't be worked out. Sad. But um, recently, Do my... Do you have a coconut? My fr- Never mind. Okay. Um, we're not talking about coconuts right now. Um, recently, one of my friends, Oren Digby found a dinosaur in Alberta (laughs) and I recorded a 20 minute interview with him describing the experience, talking about it. Are you just going to play a 20 minute interview? I'm going to play a 20 minute interview of me talking to Oren about this dinosaur. He's probably one of my oldest friends, so that could be debatable. And I, I was in his wedding party and he knows how much I love dinosaurs. And then he found one. Can I this is comment, bad interview. Can I comment on this 20-minute interview, or am I just going to have to mute my mic for the next 20 minutes? Well, I'm not playing it right now. Oh. I mean, I could if you want. I'm, that's what I thought you were going to do. I don't know how you'd play that and give it to like play it out to you at the same time, though. Okay, good. Um, it's not really like it's it's a pretty conclusive interview. Like, there's not much you can really comment on. I, I mean, just well, there's to a make few jokes. things you could. Sadly, that won't be able to happen. I mean, I can send it to you after, and you can record some responses. It's mystery science theater. And without further ado, here's my interview with Oren Digby. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Oren Digby because he has supposedly found a dinosaur. What? I thought we were talking about gun control. Wait, what? <laughs> I thought we were talking about dinosaurs. Oh, we can talk about the dinosaurs for sure. Let's go. Well, tell your dinosaur story. All right, let's do it. Okay, so Orn, tell us what happened while you were out gathering deer sheds. All right. So, there I was. It was the fifth or sixth most coldest day of my entire life. <laughs> okay. Um, no, so me and my cousin were out shed hunting. 
And for those of you that don't know, sheds are what we refer to as antlers that deer drop every year. Every year, whitetail, mule deer, moose elk, uh, pretty much everything with antlers, will drop their antlers and grow new ones. So, like the outdoor enthusiasts that we are, we were looking for antlers. Um, so basically, our day started off, oh man, hold on Noah. <laughs> what just happened here? I'm driving through Manitoba, and ironically, there's a bunch of deer on the side of the road. Okay. Perfect. We're all clear. I didn't hit any. Okay. Okay, so, there we were. I attained some pretty sweet permission from longtime family friend, grew up with, uh, played baseball with them. I got some pretty, pretty good permission to go look for antlers in some land uh, pretty close to Drumheller which, as most people know, is kind of the dinosaur central. The Badlands. The Badlands, exactly. Let me tell you, the Badlands were good to us this day. <laughs> Dang it. So, we're up uh, in a big field overlooking kind of an extension of the Drumheller Red Deer River Valley. And I was, we're walking along the field edge, using our binoculars to glass into the adjacent uh, Cooley Ravine to look for antlers. Really, really steep, probably, I don't know, probably a couple hundred feet down into the bottom. And we were kind of avoiding going right into the bottom until we actually found something worthwhile just because of how big of a hike it would be. And eventually I convinced myself I should probably be going down there. So I bit the bullet and uh, took one of the little sort of side ravines that goes down into the bottom. So I'm making my way down, looking for antlers, thinking that, you know, okay, this is going to be sweet. Hopefully it's good down there. Hopefully it's worth the walk. And I'm getting probably two-thirds of the way down, and I kind of have to start side-hilling on this little deer trail. And I come around the corner, and I looked down, and there I saw it, a dinosaur. Living? Living? <laughs> living or dead? Well, as close to living as I'll probably ever find. Okay, good point. Uh, so yeah, uh, it was sticking out on a little, it kind of had two little washes that cut on each side of it. It was sort of on like a little mini hoodoo. Uh, mound sort of thing and yeah it was like I don't know probably six seven feet of what you could only realize was a dinosaur it had like huge ribs massive vertebrae it was all connected a lot of it was showing and so obviously I immediately radioed my cousin and said hey you should probably come down here and his first reaction was, oh, what? Did you find the honey hole of antlers? Like, is it good? And I said, no, I found a dinosaur. <laughs> and so he came down, and yeah, we, we found a dinosaur. It was pretty sweet. We checked around. Lots of other little scattered bones all over the place. Um, yeah, probably one of the coolest things I'll ever find in my life. And so after you found this dinosaur and you were 
obviously heading back home. What was your what was your game plan? Well, first I immediately dug into my backpack and found my shovel and my little pickaxe and my and all my tools and I immediately started excavating it because obviously I'm a trained professional. And so I dug up this dinosaur and put it in my backpack. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just kidding. We didn't, we didn't touch the dinosaur. Thank goodness. Um, so pretty much the game plan was we didn't touch it. Obviously, we realized this is something that professionals should be looking at. So we, uh, we took, obviously, some sweet pictures. And kind of, we, we literally just sat there for a while, quite a while, probably half an hour, just like looking at it, you know, soaking in the moment. Still kind of surreal, you know. It's like when you spend enough time outdoors, you're always like, oh, this certain thing really sticks in your mind. It's so cool. You see something you've never seen before. Well, this is pretty much the top of the top for things you can find. And then, yeah, we took pictures. I got some good coordinates, and basically we just planned, I was going to speak to the landowner first, make sure they were okay with uh, reporting it to the Royal Tyrell Museum. Yes, of and course. And yeah, that, that's what we did. So, Was there anyone in particular that you thought would be really excited when you found this dinosaur? Well, I've got a, a grandfather who has pretty much spent his entire time in Alberta uh, dreaming of finding a dinosaur. He came out west from Ontario probably 40 years ago. And, yeah, he spent hours upon hours and miles of hiking in the Badlands looking for dinosaurs. Uh, he's found little bones here and there. But basically, like, one of his probably biggest, like, life dreams has been to find a dinosaur. And so, by far, he was the the person I was most excited to tell and naturally when I told him I pretty much got the reaction I thought and so before we actually uh, before we talked to the landowner or the museum I wanted to take my grandpa there and just let him see it before anything happened whether they're gonna dig it up or who knows mm-hmm. so we went back we went back the next day I took my family there uh, it was a pretty it's a pretty big hike for my grandpa but obviously he didn't care <laughs> and yeah he was pretty much as excited as it gets when he got down into the bottom of the ravine and saw it pretty much the first thing he said was well now I can die <laughs> <laughs> that's really morbid considering the times <laughs> oh yeah I guess but yeah he's pretty stoked about it um Again, we got some cool pictures of him with it. And then, yeah, the next day I called in, reported it. I spoke to some of the people at the Royal Tyrell Museum. Mm. Gave, them, gave them coordinates. I talked to the landowner first, like I said. And so right now it's pretty much in the hands of the professionals. And you haven't heard anything back yet? No, so the lady basically, on the phone with her, she said that um, there's certain species of dinosaurs that aren't of major importance so depending on what they thought it might be will obviously affect whether they look into it more uh, she also informed me that there's a lot of uh, found dinosaur sites fossil sites that 
the museum has basically deemed unimportant or kind of put on the you know the very far end of their list of places to look into. Really? So basically, the, the first thing they had to do was to verify whether or not they knew of this site. And then, based on the pictures and the location, they would probably try and make an estimate as to if this was important. And if it checked those boxes of being important and being unknown, then I guess they would probably look into it a little further. But as of now, that's pretty much all I've heard. Did, did did she have any idea, or did anyone have any idea whether, like, could they make out any defining features from the, the photos that could give away any information about the dinosaur? So, none of the actual, like, professionals that I contacted via the museum had anything to say, um, but some of the response I got from uh, another paleontologist in Alberta that saw it on a Reddit post Wait, it, my post. wait, you made a Reddit, Reddit post? No, so I've got a buddy from the lodge I was telling about. He's like, dude, you need to let me put this on Reddit. Someone will know. Yeah. And so one, once I had pretty much, you know, made it public, shared it with who I should share it with, um, I said, yeah, sure, send a picture or whatever. And so a lot of the responses they got back was that it was a, a hadrosaur, hydrosaur. Really? Um, that's what they suspected. But again, I haven't, I haven't had anything uh, confirmed, which in that case, if it is that species, then likely the museum won't look into it because they're quite common in Alberta. That was one of the first species they found originally. Interesting. So since then, there's been a lot of intact species that they've excavated. Um, yeah, I don't know, pretty sweet. I, regardless of what it is, I'm obviously stoked. I just want to know what it is. Yeah, I mean, I would consider a, a hadrosaur pretty important, but maybe that's just me. Oh, yeah, a dinosaur's a dinosaur. Yeah, imagine thinking <laughs> that a found dinosaur is unimportant because there's so many they've encountered. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's great. And that's the thing, is like, I mean, for me, I obviously just want to know what it is, know what I actually found. Because as of right now, it's just like, you know, I found a dinosaur, but I don't really know what it is. But... The fact that it's a dinosaur and that it's got like three and a half inch wide rib bones and like a 10 inch diameter vertebrae, it's, yeah, it's pretty surreal. Where would you rank that day on your all time like best days list? <laughs> uh, well, as far as things that have happened to me in the outdoors, mm -hmm. I would rank it. I don't know, there's so many elements involved. I would say it's it's for sure for sure top three. Top there's, three. There's been moments in the outdoors that have been more uh, like sentimental. You mm. know, like shooting my first deer with my grandpa is probably up there. Yeah. But I mean as far as like wow factor and rarity, it's definitely number one. What about, like, is it better than getting married? <laughs> Considering my wife's in the truck with me right now, I'm going to say definitely not. <laughs> oh. But if we, if we speak at a later time, I might have a different answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, how did you tell your um, wife's family about this encounter? 
did I already tell you this story, Noah? Yeah. Okay, so we're at uh, my wife's family's place, and I decided I was going to tell them all. And so I first said, okay, guys, I've got something to tell you, and it might make me famous. <laughs> and Ray's mom didn't really hear this. And then Ray said, yeah, guys, we have a family announcement to make. That's all that Ray's mom heard. <laughs> So immediately she's like freaking out, kind of starts crying. She's like, oh, there's going to be a baby. And then we're like, no, 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 no babies, no pregnancy. It's even cooler. And so yeah, then we told her it was a dinosaur. So she was probably a little disappointed, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so is there anything that like really stands out from this experience that you learned or that you feel deep inside connected you to something well i would say that what stood out to me the most was how it was just like there's absolutely nothing else you could have mistaken it for like mm. my very my very first reaction was actually like whoa like are those rocks lined up so perfectly that they look like a dinosaur? Yeah. Because I just, like my first reaction was not to think that there was a dinosaur so well preserved that it was actually exposed that you could see. Mm-hmm. So my first reaction was like, whoa, is that rocks? But then like as soon as I got, you know, within thirty feet of it, it's just like you knew. There's no mistaking it. Especially like it's funny. Being a butcher, obviously, I've seen a lot of carcasses. Yeah. So when I told my mom at first, she's like, Oren, like, could it have been a horse? Could it have been a cow? And it's like, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind immediately <laughs> that it was a dinosaur. There's yeah. like no mistaking it. So that was, I don't know, that was pretty crazy. It's like one of the few things that is just like immediately clear, immediate clarity of what you're looking at. Mm. Well, I like that phrase. Right, it's like having absolutely no idea, like, is there like another dinosaur underneath it? Or what even, what type of dinosaur is it? It's like there's so many questions that you can't answer unless a pro looks at it. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the, like, you know, I'm still on the edge of my seat because you don't know. Yeah. Or it's like if I would have found literally, literally anything else regarding animals and like, cool things to find other than like you know fossils and artifacts i would have had an answer for it yeah but yeah this one is just like i'm, I'm left hanging did uh, are you ever gonna find out like are they gonna keep in touch with you about this or is it kind of just like you know i hope so so i spoke with the lady about obviously the laws and regulations around uh like collecting surface collecting uh excavating yeah and so she kind of explained to them a little bit to me. One of the things that might be a little controversial, mm. might, be, might, be, might be good, juicy topic for the podcast. Okay. Is, is what was interesting is, from my conversation with this lady, um, pretty much it seemed that, like, if the museum had any interest whatsoever, she was like, even if you need to use your thumbnail to pick it out of the dirt, it's considered excavating, which is illegal in Alberta. Mm. Okay. 
then it seemed like if the museum lost interest in it, she's like, those fossils would otherwise go to waste, so you could go and surface collect some of those bones. <laughs> really? So the level of, and, and the thing is, with, I'm assuming with these laws, the museum probably tries to come across as strong as possible so that people don't get loosey-goosey with the gray area. Yeah. Um, to surface collect, you do need to still get a permit. Um, but the vibes that I got was the more important it may be to the museum, the more they might try and maybe intimidate you a little bit with the rules. And if it's deemed unimportant, the more that they might just really not care that much. That's, that is kind of strange, but also means that if they don't care, we can go and excavate that bad boy. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it definitely, I mean, the vibes that I got from the conversation were like, when she first was telling me, like, you can't even use your thumbnail to pick it out. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's like, that's hardcore. And then, but it's like, if it's not important, you know, and don't get me wrong, she didn't promote surface collecting as a whole. Yeah. Because I imagine... Uh, the museums and most archaeologists and paleontologists are probably a little bit opposed to just, you know, random people trying to pocket as many dinosaur bones as they can find. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, she, she did say that after, you know, if they deemed it unimportant, then she wouldn't see a huge problem with me uh, surface collecting some things. Because I told her, I was like, you know, I, I don't want to touch it. I want to leave it to the pros. But, like, if I'm allowed to... When this is all over, like, I would really like to go back and get a couple fossils. Yeah. And I also, what was uh, pretty cool and I think pretty good at the museum is I asked her, like, okay, so say the rare circumstance that this is something really cool. Uh, even if even if they just found, like, a full hedrosaur, like, that would be cool. Mm -hmm. And so I said, like, would it be possible for me to get uh, a replica of a tooth or a claw, obviously not the whole dinosaur, but like something, you know, yeah. really, really cool. And she said that that would be possible if they, you know, if they uh, pursued it and they dug up whatever, then it would be possible for me to get a replica for a keepsake, which would be sweet. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty good of them. That, I mean, that would, that would make me a lot less tempted to want to go surface collect if I could just get a replica of the cool parts. Yeah. Because the thing is like, that whole surrounding area around where that dinosaur was, like, if you wanted a surface collect, you, you could go and pick a hundred different tiny little bone fragments. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, bone fragments are bone fragments. It would be sweet to have, like, a tooth or a claw or, you know, something of significance. Yeah. So. Would you get yeah, any... Would you get any founder's credit or anything if it ends up being important? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like, if they're looking for info, I'll obviously tell them the landowner who I found it on, like, you know, they can talk about finding it on their land, and if I get credit for something cool, that'd be sweet, but mm -hmm. if not, I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. And I have one final question to wrap up the interview. What's that? I have one final question to wrap up the interview. All right, what's that? You're going to like it. 
how did you encounter Christ in this dinosaur? Oh, man. Well, let me tell you. Um, I wasn't expecting for a, a deep question. You're welcome. I would say that I experienced Christ in the sheer vastness of what you can find. And this, is, this goes for me pretty much all the time. I always experience Christ when I'm outdoors. I would say that's when I uh, experience Christ the most. Mm. But being able to go from like, well, A, it feels like you kind of step back in time, but also, you know, you're up. When I'm up in the field, it's like we're seeing hawks and deer and all these little creatures, all these organisms. And then you like start going down the hill and you start like, it's like you step from agriculture to badlands in like 20 yards. And then all of a sudden you're in a completely different looking place. And now you're looking at, you know, all along the, that river bottom you're seeing uh, like deer carcasses from deer that have died. You're seeing dinosaur bones. So yeah, the, the whole vastness of creation is what spoke to me the most. Very fascinating. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be wrapping up the interview portion of the podcast. Thank you, Orn, for coming on to talk about your discovery. Yeah, any, anytime. Is there anything Next you want? Next time I find a dinosaur, I'll be, you'll be the first one I talk to. <laughs> um, yeah, considering I was definitely not the first person this time. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Is there anything you want to say to the podcast or to future listeners or or the co-host well the only thing i'm going to say is uh for those of you who are outdoor enthusiasts or like getting outside or want to get outside Mm. just do it Put, put, put your boots on talk to landowners spend time outdoors you'll have moments like this absolutely just like noah catching fish uh, uh, yeah, that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh. Alright, well, well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So that was my uh, first interview that I've ever conducted, and it was with my friend at like one in the morning, impromptu, while he was driving to Ontario. I think he was in Manitoba at that moment, and that was the last time I'll probably talk to him until September, because he's out at uh, at a fishing lodge in the in the middle of pretty much nowhere. So hopefully you enjoyed that, and if you want more interviews like that on specific topics in the future be sure to let us know by leaving a review. Yeah, we're back. I hope you enjoyed that 20-minute interview that's with, our between section, me and Oren. Uh, Noah and Dinosaurs featuring Oren. We could we could talk more about dinosaurs right now. What, what else do you want to say? I just want to say that I wish I had gotten to see those bones in person. I really do. You're all about seeing bones. Yep. They're fantastic and... Uh, probably hard and probably bony and i really wanted to see those 
And they why were just are, lying there. Why are you the way that you are? <sighs> Blame the dinosaurs. Orin used to make fun of me because I believed in dinosaurs being alive today, back in like grade 8 and grade right. 9 and grade 10. And Orin would always well, make fun of it. But then also one time I was driving to, <laughs> to his house with like his brother and his brother's girlfriend and she started talking about dinosaurs yes and Orin was like hey well noah really likes dinosaurs <laughs> and i'm like oh crap i'm here and then he then he was like so um i think her name was courtney i don't remember but he was like hey courtney um how do you feel how would you feel about dinosaurs still being around today and she went on this big old rant about how that's impossible oh no and i'm sitting there like <laughs> and Orin's just like looking at me like giving me that smile and like you know I got boosh that day did you cry no I mostly just tried to laugh it off there you go I used to be super into dinosaurs for like a long time I don't know what happened I just stopped well now you're back into it into it there we go because you love dinos sure and dinos love you <laughs> I don't know if I like that. <laughs> um, can you believe, though, that there are so many hadrosaurs found around Alberta that the Tyrell genuinely d- might not be interested in this, like, find? That's crazy. Like, that's that's kind of... Like, that's a full... Um, well, not a, almost complete, but, like, that's a fairly decent, like, skeleton that's there. Yeah. So. I need to go to the I'm Tyrell sorry. again. I haven't been since I was, like, a kid. Maybe you should have taken geology with Stephen Jeans. I mean, theoretically, I still could. You should, and also me and Ethan still and and um, Karina still owe him a rock. Nice. Nikayla still owes me a pie. We literally bought a rock. Wait. Oh yeah. She never gave you that, did she? She never did. Um, which is probably fair because half of the group that won that pie with me. We're yeah. like literally not on speaking terms, so I have no idea how that would work. Wait, did you beat Anna? Oh, sorry. This is a different thing. I do think I, I think I beat Anna. I was somewhere around there. I don't know about that. Wait, what are you talking about? I'm so last year, yeah, for like Rise and Fall. Um, oh, there was some activity that. There was like a pie on the line in my group one. Oh, that's what you're referring yeah. to. I feel like that. I I don't know what's going to happen because I think I came in and everyone was really suspect of me and then nobody talked about it again. And I got sad because I, I won yeah, that I legitimately, but it didn't look like I won it legitimately. You cheated? Well, no, because here's the thing. I thought in my mind that at the end of the day, it was going to show the entire scoreboard, or at least that Nikayla would see the entire scoreboard. And I entered a couple of times on mobile, um, and it didn't... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't, like, the, either the Wi-Fi didn't connect or something, and so I couldn't actually input anything. Um, yep. And so I think I saw, like, the first question, and that was it. And then I went on, on desktop and did the whole thing. But when I posted my score, I would clarified so that it was very transparent that all this other stuff had happened and then i think everyone was like well he is like on top but 
he also cheated, so screw him. <laughs> like, I didn't cheat. It just really looks Actually, like I'm pretty I sure I was the one who accused you of cheating. I think you did. Um, Because you did. The end. No, I, I'm pretty sure Anna beat you anyway. Maybe. She should get the pie. But I'm not entirely. Yeah. Um. Anyway, hopefully everything's going well with Nikayla. I haven't talked to her in a long time. I haven't talked to her in a while. Um. I haven't been to any of the Zoom church things because I still think that's a little bit weird, but maybe I'll show up one day. You should show up one day. Why do you think it's weird, Noah? Say it for uh, everyone. It's just uncomfortable. Why? It's just uncomfortable. Because then I have to be on Zoom with a bunch of people that, quite frankly, I barely know. No yeah. offense to anyone that goes to the church. You don't have to, like, interact with them, though. I don't How think. do I know that, though? You don't, which is why you should find out. Yeah, and I don't... Oh, also, man. you I could mean, just I did talk have a Zoom Logan. interview. What? Also, you could just ask Logan. Did you say something about an interview? Yeah, I had a job interview this week. Oh. A volunteer position interview. Nice. I mean, that was last week. I turned it down today, though. Right. But, yeah, that was quite strange. That was weird having a conversation on Zoom with someone who actually is kind of like a legitimate person. Yeah, I had, I did an interview for the Writing Center last week over Zoom, and I was like, I don't like this. Especially there's like an interactive element. I was like, this is really awkward. I hate this. Wait, the Ambrose Writing Center? Yeah. Boy. I don't know if I... I mean, I was offered times to work for them, but man, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Yeah, I'm not super looking forward to it, but it will give me money and it will give me experience. You know, and it'll look good on a resume. And it'll look good on a resume. Um, and in my last year of college, that's kind of what I'm about. Yeah. Um, I'm about getting my money back for a trip that hasn't happened. It's in the works. I mean, you. I'm assuming you got the email. Yeah, of which I was one of two people singled out. Yeah, yeah, you were. <laughs> it was like, yeah, okay, you're not getting your money anytime soon. Okay, here's my question, though. Was it like I actually have to formally request a refund, or will I just get a refund when it's done? Because it kind of was worded like I actually have to formally request I a would, refund. I would imagine for the books that you would have to actually request request a refund. Man. Um, because otherwise they just won't do anything. They'll just keep the money? Like, possibly. That's scummy, I'm just gonna say that. I don't, like, I think that's how legally it would have to work. Because they can't just deposit it. Because Ambrose is all about just depositing stuff into your student account. Without. Yeah. Like, I get why it's harder to give a refund than it is to give a credit. Like, it's the same reason why stores will give you a store credit instead of a refund. It's just it's easier and it's on like it, it doesn't involve actual the actually tr- uh tr- transferring funds yeah and that's the thing i think to like actually have to transfer funds you would need to submit an official like document of some kind that's what i'm Which I, okay i guess i'll do that but i might i might email jansen just to double check on that i mean that's a good idea we need to talk about cancel culture yes um, I don't know what you're doing, but it's making loud booms. I'm Lego. So have you heard any Lego sounds in the first, like, 55 minutes of this podcast? It's because Glendon was playing with Lego the entire time. Um, there was a situation that happened in the last week 
it was actually really big on Twitter and it blew up to a degree that I'd never expected and I witnessed the whole thing. I don't think Glendon did because I may have. I don't think he. F- did you follow the whole liturgist thing that happened this week? Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, so this was like. Uh, are, are we? Um, was liturgist's over party? That's quite frankly what was happening. Um, so what happened? I can explain it. I'm sure I'm going to get some details wrong because I didn't actually listen to this episode of the podcast, but I did like read most of the tweets. Right that occurred after it like and i read michael gunger's response but i i obviously couldn't read everything because it was when i say there was hundreds of tweets i mean there were hundreds of tweets so i'm sure i missed something but here's my quick like tldr of what i think occurred so the liturgist put out an episode their whole series or this whole season has been focused around deconstructing stories that have been harmful to um well, certain marginalized groups, basically, or to people just in general. So basically, they this episode was focused on the story of whether fat equals bad. Mm. And it was Michael Gunger, Dr. Hillary McBride, and Christy Harrison, sorry. And so they discussed, like, deconstructing those, uh, like, the idea of whether fat equals bad. And obviously they came to, like, I, I didn't listen to it, but I'm assuming they came to the cl- conclusion that um, obviously fat does not equal bad. Right. But um, uh, here's the thing. The content wasn't really the issue. Okay. Um, the the issue was that it was, this is, this is what, so, I'm, again, I apologize to anyone in this community if I mislabel you, but I believe it's the fat community. <laughs> and I, I know that sounds kind of, strange but i think that's just how what they refer to themselves as so i'm i'm cool with that the fat community basically revolted against this episode of the podcast because it was three skinny people talking about um the issue of weight um so here's a like and and there were some really in-depth critiques of the episode um where someone went through and like um annotated it basically oh wow and so, like, there was, like, genuinely some legitimate critiques. But the main, but, like, the it basically all centered around the idea that they did not center a marginalized person, in this case, a fat person, on the podcast mm. for this episode. Which I think is, you know what, I, I understand that. I think that's a fair critique. Yeah. Um. So, so what happened was Michael Gunger started responding to these, to, to this community. And... Um, basically, like, believe me when I say there were so many responses that I couldn't accurately give a summation of either of their, um, claims because there's just too much going on. Um, but basically Michael Gunger's whole point was that what, what he did was not morally wrong. Yeah. And he didn't have to, he didn't have to apologize for not having someone on the podcast because they did make an effort to have a marginalized person on it couldn't work out with the timing, so they put forward an episode that he believed was still a good episode yeah. and worth sharing. Um, so he, his argument was he's not going to apologize for something that isn't morally wrong, but he will apologize for the community feeling hurt by this episode. Which is a really good response, I think. Yeah, and, and he apologized for his failure to put out an episode that... Um, uh, that accomplished what they were seeking to accomplish Mm -hmm. because it was basically he said they failed in efficacy Mm. 
Um, that was his whole point. And here's, they ended up being going like back and forth with so many people a million times. And basically the Bane response was, you're not listening to us. You need to apologize. Say you're sorry, et cetera, and so forth. You're wrong. You're a straight white male. You don't understand. Um, and Michael Gunger is not actually white. I feel like it should be pointed out. And so many people accused him of being white this week, which was strange because he's very clearly not white. His cancel culture like his mother, stupid. And his mother's Puerto Rican. Anyway, um, and so now I will say, to to their credit, Michael Gunker at first did not give, like his responses were written very like plain, kind of like the way a type five writes responses, very intellectually and yeah. perhaps a too too in too much in the ideal realm than in like the actual practical people realm mm. like it was very lofty and it could come across as arrogant i i even admit that when i read it that yeah okay i could see it being a little bit arrogant a little bit like assholeish and he even admitted that that at first that is 100 percent how he would have read his own takes um but like it needs to be said that he he did apologize for his failure but he repeated that he won't apologize for the episode because it was still a like a good episode like it in his opinion you do not need to have it's not essential it's not a moral failure to have a marginalized person to talk about marginalized issues Mm. that he like white basically white a white man or whatever like a non-marginalized person can discuss issues like that on a podcast in a way that's still fruitful and empathetic mm-hmm. now here's the thing though a lot of people did not like that response yeah they were still the whole like you're not listening you're not listening you're not listening you're not listening like believe me the amount of times i read that and i'm like i think he's listening he wouldn't be responding to you in this way yeah. if he wasn't listening to what you have to say what you're really saying here is he's not agreeing with me and so then you got the calls for him to either make a formal apology or step down from the podcast. I'm not kidding when I say people were canceling Michael Gunger yep. from the liturgists. They, and not only that, they were saying that if Hillary McBride and William Matthews don't take a stand against him, they need to be canceled as well. Like, there were legitimate... Like, it wasn't everyone. This was probably a minority response, but I did Vocal see people minority, calling for yeah. it. Vocal minority, um, which was ridiculous. It's one episode, and you can tell his intentions were good. Yeah. But it gets it gets worse because this continues for like I said a week. So probably like four days in, um, people started going after Science Mike, and not going after as in like attacking him, as in trying to use his friendship with Michael to try to influence the way Michael was responding. Wow! So people were calling on him saying like, "Why don't you talk to your friend here, who's?" clearly it doesn't get it and try to get him to understand what what's going on here and i like and and science mike like did like he's talked with michael before and he like the responses between the two of them and on this point were pretty much just like yeah we've talked about this before i think we disagree on a couple things but yeah it is what it is basically um but i did not like people trying to weaponize friendship against people and being like hey here's your friend why aren't you talking trying to talk him into agreeing with us basically mm-hmm. it should also be noted that science mike is no longer a member of the liturgist he's no longer a part of the podcast and he has stepped away because it was detrimental to his mental and physical health 
so being kind of dragged into this situation um, caused him also some uh, serious anxiety, as he tweeted about later. Um, and of course, he obviously has every he has agency. He can choose what to do or what not to do. But still, trying to drag him in, I feel like was um, perhaps not the nicest or kindest thing to do in this circumstance. And then the litter just made an official apology. Um, again, basically saying the same thing Michael had been saying all week. Like, I'm sorry that people feel hurt by this. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry about, like, et cetera, that we didn't do as good of a job as we um, strive to do, et cetera, and so forth. And then today it finally came to a head where I, th I think this is probably the last chapter, which is why it's good we're talking about this now. But um, Michael gave one last um, thread of tweets. Hmm. Um, expressing how he's like doesn't understand how this suddenly got to this point where he's had people um, accuse not not accuse but like hold on, I'm just gonna read the tweet itself because yeah I feel I'm like looking at some good. of this right now so he he was replying he basically sent a message out to the person he had originally responded to and all of where all of this started. Um, and this is what he says. In, in, in less than 24 hours, I went from crying in my studio, excitedly and passionately working overtime on a podcast to try to help pull apart the harmful story in our society that fat is bad for anyone who might need to hear that to getting messages like this 24 hours later about my five-year-old daughter with Down syndrome from the community that I'd hoped to bring love to. This is the, this is the message he received. White, white XN, I don't know what XN means. Christian. Um, I oh, think. white Christian men, though. You're right, probably. White, white Christian men, though. The audacity. When we was like, should I not speak up for my differently able... Sorry, it should say he. When he was like, should I not speak up for my differently abled child? Or my differently abled daughter? I was like, no, yes, shouldn't. She has her own voice, twat waffle. But, I do, but do tell us what her special abilities are. I hope it's flying. Now... That's a pretty rude message. Yep. Going after someone's daughter who has Down syndrome and speaking about her in such terms. I want to repeat that Michael did not say anything rude. Like, what, did he come across as arrogant at times? Sure, but he did not personally attack anyone he was responding to. That is a very personal attack Yeah. on his daughter. That's, like, incredibly wrong. And so... Um, again, he repeats his apology in here and he even emphasizes that this all may sound like I'm playing the victim in this whole scenario. I know I'm not the victim. I have a ton of privilege and influence and I truly want to use it all to serve love and amplify the voices of those who do not, do not have the same power. But I also just can't believe that things have gone this far awry. It's hard for me to understand how the things that have been said in your threads by your followers have gone so far as to feel like threats to me and my family. And have gone uncontested or unchecked by people who I want to believe are really in this for the love of themselves and their neighbors. Um, and then someone responded to this. Okay, so this is this is after he said all this, basically burying his experience over the last week. And the response, this is from one of the major people who was a part of this argument earlier. Saying... You're not a misunderstood artist, Michael. You're a grown man who doesn't understand what's going on because you weren't willing to consider that other people might be right rather than you. 
I'm worried for you and for anyone close to you because you clearly aren't emotionally healthy. <laughs> now, can I just emphasize how ridiculous it is to make a claim like that from someone who doesn't like this is someone who does not know Michael Gunger personally. And that's the thing is so many of the people who get into these arguments. It, it's funny to like accuse people of not being like emotionally healthy because the people who are yeah. stirring up these arguments are at least it seems to me people without the emotional maturity to think outside of their own experience and insert themselves into someone else's experience and say, okay, what is this person trying to convey? Um, instead, they're just like, he's angry, or he's saying this, therefore his life is X. And then they make conclusions and assumptions based off what they're already assuming about the person's life. Yep. And it's all based off social media. Yeah. Which is like... I hope people wouldn't make assumptions about me based on my tweets. One would hope. <laughs> okay, fair. Nice. Um, and so, here's another... And so someone, uh, another person responded saying, it's confusing because you doubled down instead of listening. So here we go with that again. And Michael responded again, you owe me no explanation, but that's language that people keep using that I don't understand either. I listened to everyone as I understand the word. Do you mean something else in that word that I don't understand? And which someone replied saying, they don't mean listen as in understand me. They mean listen as in adhere to my tenets of my belief system. <laughs> there is no agree or disagree. You're either true believer or you're damned. Sound familiar? And quite frankly, like, so that's basically the rundown of the story. Yeah. It probably took longer than I had intended. But like, I understand people being hurt by not having their voices centered on, on a podcast episode about them. Like, I get that. If if someone were doing an episode on racism and didn't have, like, black voices on a major podcast, mm -hmm. I totally understand. Like, that would get a big blowback as well. Yeah. So I get it. I get being hurt by that. But at the same time, what happened was not a moral failing. Yeah. Like, that, that needs to be emphasized. It was not morally wrong. It was not like the, the liturgist set out to hurt a group of people. Mm -hmm. it's not like they set out specifically to leave out these voices that um are are being marginalized that wasn't their intention yeah they there was even um there was there was a again i hate referring to people as fat people but like <laughs> apparently that's what they want to be known as but there was this fat person who is a friend of michael's who even responded saying he enjoyed the episode and he understands how difficult scheduling is and whatnot like yeah. there were people that that understood and that and whatnot mm -hmm. but like i get being upset i get being even angry at, at this happening mm -hmm. i don't understand how it escalates to the point so quickly that not only are you canceling the person for one episode in which they did nothing morally wrong yeah to then attacking their daughter and their family on Twitter. The thing that gets me is, like, it, it would be similar if you and I did an episode on, mm -hmm. like, sexism or racism or something like that. Yep. And we didn't get, like, like if it was, like, sexism, fe feminism, we didn't get, like, Sarah Joy on the podcast or something. Yeah. Because we're not on speaking terms. Um, yeah, exactly. Um. Like, and then people yelled at us for not having a woman. It's like, I get the importance of having that perspective. But at the same time, what we're doing is literally talking about this subject 
in mm-hmm. a constructive and beneficial manner. Why are you angry that we did that? Just not a hundred percent in the form that you wanted. Like, yep. Do you like? I imagine there's so few podcasts out there that are talking about like um, struggles and stories of like fat people and all these different things. Um, mm-hmm. So just the yeah, fact that's that true. they're like the fact that they're going out of their way to do that alone is impressive and should be like okay, sweet here's what you could do next time. Um, exactly. But, but like to, to completely come down on someone just because they didn't do it a hundred percent. Right. It, it's so baffling to me. And I feel like this is a whole, <clears throat> there, there is a whole community of that sort of thing. Um, Cause I see it mm. in other stuff. Uh, and it's. Well, and here, here's, here's basically, this is the summit. Like, this I just read another reply, and this is again to the to the question about listening. And this yeah. person says, "You listened with your mind made up. Repeatedly, you were sorry they were hurt instead of sorry for your actions, which means you're not sorry." And I fundamentally disagree with that perspective. Yeah. Like again, none of his actions were wrong. Mm-hmm. Except again, he again he apologized for how he originally came across in some of his tweets. Yeah. So I will say, if you want to point out at something being wrong. Some of his tweets were very blunt, to put it uh, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think there's a fundamental difference between saying, "Oh, I'm sorry you got hurt," and saying, "I'm sorry that I hurt you. That was not my intention." Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree. Like one and of those like, is a trashy apology, yeah. But the other one is like, mm-hmm. "Look, we are at different points. I'm sorry that this is the way that's came came across." How can we make this better? Like, and like someone someone responded saying like, he did the wrong thing in the first place and didn't listen when people told him so and then refused to apologize. And like, I don't know if the wrong, again, if the wrong thing is not having someone on their podcast, that is not, um, again, I don't need to say this again, but it's not yeah. a moral failing. It's yeah. not morally wrong. It's yeah. not, it's just, it's blatantly not wrong. Yeah. But if the wrong, if you're saying like the wrong thing was how he responded to the person at first, he has apologized for that. Yeah, and that's the only thing I could see as being wrong. Yeah, is his is his um, basically his tone on Twitter for all intents mm-hmm. and purposes. Yeah, and so like at this point, you've a lot of people have, have <laughs> for all intents and purposes canceled Michael Gunger. Yeah, it's funny because I mean I made a joke about it before, but I've seen. Almost every day now, for the past week or so on Twitter, I've woken up mm-hmm. and on trending hashtags, I've seen like yep. X celebrity is over party. And I forget who the first yep. one is. The first one probably deserved it. But everyone after that is like somebody says some random inconvenient thing that yep. at at worst, okay, you shouldn't have said that, but like let's move on. And these are like just continuously becoming these trending hashtags. Most of which, like, if you actually click on the hashtag, it's not even people talking about the person. It's just random yep. BS in the stream. Um, yep. And so it, it's this weird. It's it's frustrating because I'm not against like PC culture or any of these different things, but I am against mm-hmm. it when it becomes weaponized for no actual benefit. Yep. Because it's not like... 
it, it, it's not like in this instance um, that we or the, the community on Twitter or whatever is creating a healthy community with which to talk about, you know, this minority, this this group. Mm-hmm. They're not benefiting anything. They're just spewing vitriol and hoping it gets attention. And that's not constructive. Yep, and it's here's here's the thing that I'm noticing. It's it's like I think a lot of people equate cancel culture with holding people accountable for their actions. Right. And I totally agree. The people like for example, someone like um what's his name? Louis C. K. Is that yeah. his name? Yep. Who who like again, basically sexually assaulted people for all oh, yeah. these purposes. Um that's holding someone accountable and in that situation where he obviously doesn't deserve to be working anymore in yeah. in that environment where he can t- continue to to abuse people and hurt people like holding someone accountable in that way obviously like everybody should support even though there are people obviously who don't so like i get holding people accountable who have genuinely done something morally like wrong like yeah. someone sexual assault rape etc and so forth but or or even like consistently lying or something along those lines. Like if if someone is like always lying and can't tell the truth, Trump. Um, like I, there is like it is important to hold people accountable. Justice is important, but it seems like cancel culture is literally becoming. I disagree with you on this point, yeah. so you need to be canceled. But that seems like kind of indicative of what like a lot of cancel culture is, where it's just like pure vitriol without any actual criticism and that it doesn't actually mean anything and then you come off looking silly yeah i i 100 agree and i feel like that's one thing i'm learning about progressive culture about the left in general like a mm-hmm. lot of it is still rooted in tribalism and um yeah. vitriol yeah like even looking at at the the primary the democratic primaries the amount of vitriol that was thrown around between all progressives like attacking each other. Oh yeah. And I st- I still point back to to the homophobia that was oh, thrown yeah. at Pete Buttigieg from people who are supposedly progressive. Like I get I get disagreeing with Pete Buttigieg. I get even being suspicious of whether he was legitimate or whether he was I don't know whatever they suspect he was doing. Um, like I, you can disagree with the person, you can think he has wrong motives, but when you start attacking him personally mm-hmm. and like his relationships. And even name calling is such like a little, like it's just, it's petty. This is this is the thing that I'm starting to realize and internalize, is anytime I see an argument on the internet, and one of the sides devolved into insulting and like random swearing because you're angry, that person no longer has an argument. They just look foolish. And I see this it's all the, I see this all the time. Um, we were talking earlier uh, yesterday about like criticism of the Last Jedi versus criticism of like Rise of Skywalker, and so often I'll see this on Twitter or whatever where someone's like, "Hey, let's talk about the Last Jedi. Let's talk about like these constructive points." And the other person's like, "Screw you! F this! F this movie! F Ryan Johnson, etc." And I'm like. You just lost. It's not a conversation anymore. Mm. Yeah. 
it's I think really what what's coming to to the surface here is that even in the progressive movement there seems to be a significant lack of forgiveness yeah. and grace when it comes to having conversations about difficult topics or really conversations about anything apparently um, and and I think that's where that's where progressive culture gets so stigmatized and so um, stereotyped by mm-hmm. um, conservative culture because all yeah. of the the like weird boomer memes of um, you know like gender identity and everything all center around this idea um, that if you mess up there's going to be vitriol mm-hmm. and I think most people in like these fringe minority communities aren't like that. They're very accepting. They're very generous. They're very gracious. They just want to be seen and heard. But when you have these vocal minorities who just spew vitriol, you're damaging your own base because you're demonstrating you don't want to be seen. You don't want to be heard. You just want to yell at people. And so people aren't going to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I understand like we can't expect marginalized people to always be like emotionally. Yeah. Like they're, they are allowed to express emotions. They are allowed to be angry. And there's like, they're allowed to even, and all these different things that are like valid. And like, uh, who am I to say that someone can't, someone who's had their voice uh, diminished their entire lives Mm -hmm. isn't gonna, like, I can't tell you not to, not to raise your voice and be angry and express those things in a way that maybe even might come across as being, um, I don't know, vitriolic or unhelpful, whatever term you want right. to use. Like, I feel like, like I understand why people come across that way. And I don't want to mm-hmm. go into the stereotype of like for a long time, black women have been stereotyped as being loud and angry. Right. And that's, that's totally unfair. And that's just a way to keep marginalized voices, um, quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't want to I don't want us to be saying things like that, but at the same time, there needs to be grace and forgiveness within yeah. these conversations so that both sides are listened to, both sides are heard, and you don't necessarily have to come to an agreement with the other person at the end. Yeah, like when you have, especially when you have someone who is clearly trying their best to give a voice to a group. Yeah why why are you mad at the person i just i don't know it's baffling to me like and intentions do matter oh yeah at least to some degree um and and i should note that in this episode of the liturgist podcast there were about eight to ten stories from fat people on the podcast that they had like not recorded but like people called in right and they told their story of of whatnot, basically. From yeah. basically, what I did with Oren is what happened on, yeah. on that podcast. Um, so it's not like when, they when completely Oren excluded. Talked about his struggle with being a paleontologist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a redneck paleontologist. Thank you. There we go. Um, so again, they like genuinely, you can see the intentions with this podcast episode. Like, it's clear. It's not like they were intending to hurt this community. And that's something Michael has said, like, literally 10 to 15 times over the last week. 
that their intentions were not to hurt anyone and they are sincerely sorry that people were hurt by something like this. Mm-hmm. There just isn't, like, from the people saying, listen to us, listen to us, listen to us, they just don't seem to be listening to what he's saying. Yeah. The honest. problem the problem is people don't, there's at least a group of people who just want to win. They don't actually want a conversation. Mm-hmm. You're You're right. But yeah, basically, like, you need the whole focus on success or on needing to win or on victory that's so, like, rooted in our capitalist society. Yeah. I talked about that in a recent ASMR video. <laughs> yeah, I turned my ASMR channel into Noah rants about topics. I love that. Um, I talked about positive affirmations and how some of them are really, really unhelpful. Mm. Like, you are successful in everything that you do. <laughs> no. No, I'm not. Thank you. Noah's very unsuccessful, um, let me tell you. Well, and and that's rooted in your worth being yeah. rooted in your success, which is just, that's uber capitalist, mm-hmm. and it's not rooted in reality. Um, Well, maybe I guess it's rooted in a capitalist reality, but not in the capital R reality. Yeah. Um, Besides, capitalism is over. What? Besides, capitalism is over. The system is ending. We need a new plan. I mean, um, maybe that'll come out of this pandemic. Create a post-capitalist plan. But people are upset enough about the post-modernist plan. Yeah, whatever. I'm I'm literally... Here's the thing. Um, All of the bad writers right now are creating stories about pandemics uh, because they're lame and uncreative. What's happening right now is a lot of my frustration with society is just getting fueled into one of my villains and like a later story who like already had a personality but more and more it's like i don't know it's just fun for me what are you saying about my story that i'm writing are you are you writing a pandemic story (laughs) it's called five feet apart (laughs) oh wait i stole that from a movie i love that i still haven't seen that movie i got distracted with another movie i had to watch what movie? Ex Machina. Oh, yeah. I love how we all just kind of tore that movie apart. Oh, yeah, you, you understood my perspective because you're the only one that's seen The Next Generation in the last, like, ten years. Oh, yeah. Everybody else, I, mean, I admit, like, there is a gender focus, but I didn't focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think part of it was I watched it after we already had some of that conversation. And so that was something that I was, like, attentive to. But. Mm. I just wanted to talk about data, okay? We all deserve to talk about data. I was just surprised that it was, like, I don't want to call it a boring movie, but nothing exciting happened. <laughs> yeah, I know. It It's set up to be, like, who can you trust? Um, and then nothing happens. Are we done talking about cancel culture or... Should we? Yeah, should we finish that? Yeah, let's go back to that. What's our conclusion? I don't. I don't know how to conclude that. Basically, listen. Like, um, listen to. People. I don't. I don't want to tell marginalized people to to have forgiveness and grace. I feel like that doesn't do it justice. I think. I think that's super valid. I think what it comes down to, and I. I here, here's the thing. Here's a lesson for both sides. Be willing to hear out people. Not just to win your argument, but 
to like understand mm. where they're coming from and what they're trying to do. Yeah. Because like m- myself, yourself, white, straight Christian men, etc., we're going to mess up inevitably. We're going to mm. speak out of um you know, bias and perspective because and eventually all privilege, like all people are is their biases and perspectives. That is all a person. That is has. a bold claim. Um like I physically cannot and will not ever know what it's like to live day in and day out as a black woman. That's just never mm-hmm. something I'm going to understand. I will listen out, listen to people's stories and try my best to empathize and whatever, but I will never have that experience and I can never expect to have that experience. I will still try my best to defend people and defend people's experiences and say, you know what? These are valid, but I'm never going to know entirely what that's like. So don't yell at me because I accidentally say something because I don't know what that's like. Correct mm. me, absolutely, but like, all I am is my biases and perspectives. This life is all that I know, yeah. and I can try to understand beyond that, but it's always going to be an attempt. Yeah, and I, f- and I think maybe even trying to see through the lens of love yeah. could help solve a lot of these um, probably miscommunications and misconceptions. Like, if you look in... If you come into an argument expecting to tear that person down and may prove them wrong and and prove yourself right, mm-hmm. you're already coming in with like a preconceived notion of who they are, and exactly. you're not seeing through the lens of 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 love. Mm-hmm. And if you see through that lens and see like the intentions of the person, mm-hmm. like I feel like a lot of those misconceptions can perhaps be avoided yeah and i think to some extent i came into this whole conversation with my own takes and biases and i don't know if even i was entirely fair to the fat community that felt hurt after listening to that podcast i mean they do have every right to feel hurt and to speak out about their lack of representation on the liturgists for this episode especially considering the liturgists isn't just like people it's not just like a 30 40 vision where it's me and glennon talking casually about topics and doesn't we don't really have an influence we don't really make an impact the liturgist does and they have a platform and it is important that they represent the marginalized on their platform and maybe to some degree the impact is more important than the intentions in this case, but at the same time, it still wasn't morally wrong for them to discuss the topic or to um, to make this episode on what whether fat is bad. It wasn't morally wrong to do that um, with with an expert there and without um, a, a a fat person on the podcast it wasn't it wasn't the best it was not a full complete it it didn't feel as full it didn't feel it wasn't as impactful it didn't 
say what they meant to say. It didn't do what they meant to do because of it. But I don't, I still don't think it was a moral wrong. I don't, I, but maybe, maybe the impact is more important than the, inten- the intentions. And, and then maybe, I don't know. I don't know. It's a gray area. And I think a big portion of the problem is how damaging social media can be to conversations. I, Apparently, the Bad Christian Podcast did an episode discussing this as well, and Science Mike called them out for misrepresenting some of the facts on the podcast. And, like, on Twitter, it felt like it was going to be a really heated discussion, and um, tempers seemed to be flaring. But then later, um, one of the hosts of the Bad Christian Podcast apparently had a, an hour-long conversation with Science Mike, and it was apparently extremely um, wholesome and good and and. And it worked everything out. And that's the, I think maybe that's one thing we need to take away is you need to actually have discussions with people you're disagreeing with and not just on Twitter, like actually talk to them, humanize them, because it's so easy on Twitter to just see it, see people as just um, their username or as just another account that is almost robotic. It's almost unhuman. And it's easy to dehumanize them on Twitter. So it's important to have that actual legitimate contact, even if it's just talking on the phone or talking over whatever, Discord, whatever you use. Um, Because on Twitter, it's too easy to just make assumptions about the other person or to dehumanize them entirely. Um, So, yeah. So I still stand by most of... uh, I stand by most of what we said. I just think this needs to be clarified, how damaging this can be on, on social media and how important it is to have legitimate discussions and how important it is to actually listen to both sides because truthfully the impact does matter and what you say does matter even if you have the right intentions. By the way, that was my life-changing quote of the week. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to have to put music over that one. There you go. Do you think Nikayla would say that my words are life-changing? I feel like that's a bold yeah, claim from her. Yeah, that's pretty debatable. <laughs> but we're interpreting it as life-changing. It's more to make you reconsider your own thoughts. There you go. That's maybe that's what valid. was actually said. Um, But yeah, so just try to love each other even when you disagree with them and go into those conversations thinking the best of the person not the worst because if you think of the worst oh yeah well that's that's how you end up with this situation exactly and yeah i feel like that's something we've been trying to come at is because especially the medium of text is what it is and it's so easily misreadable if you come into every interaction assuming the worst of someone just because they're speaking from a place of privilege, you will just be bitter with society. And there will never be any growth. And, like, people are right to be bitter with society, but the only way to help it is to listen to each other and do so in a way that isn't just listening to be heard, but it's listening to understand. Exactly. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, that was good. Listening to understand. And that goes for Michael Gunger as well as those he was discussing. Mm. 
the the issue with because I think both sides could have listened better. Mm-hmm. But Michael is the 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 host, the one with privilege, and maybe he could have done a better job as well. Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak for an entire community, so not even gonna try. Please try. And yeah, progressives stop being so freaking tribalistic. Being progressive does not mean being right. Ooh. The end. That's gonna get me in hot water. I don't think so. It shouldn't. So, was there another subject that you had? I feel like you said we were gonna be bouncing around. I was just gonna talk about data. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, we're (laughs) at least an hour, if not an hour and a half, into this thing. We're an hour and forty minutes into this thing because we've got that whole interview. Right. Well, probably an hour and thirty-five minutes at this point. Um, I feel like anyone who watched Ex Machina with focusing on the movie itself and only the movie without making comparisons to other movies had a really boring time watching that movie. Probably. I also had a really boring time watching that movie and I was making comparisons. I guess it just made, I don't know, I kept thinking about Data and I kept thinking about the monster and then I'm like, huh, I kind of am curious what this says about that. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like I had so much hype for this movie because everyone that I talked to was like, this isn't like other AI movies. And then it was exactly like every other AI movie. And the apparently wasn't really about AI. I think, I mean, I think any movie, I I said this during the, um, the discussion that none of our listeners Mm. are privy to, but I think any movie that is about AI is about humanity in a way and what we consider humanity. And I think ultimately that's like what's supposed to be the theme of this movie, whether like you look at that through the lens of gender, but especially um, like at what point does Alicia Vikander's character, I forget her name, at what point does she become human? If she becomes human, do we consider her human at the end? Hey, see, that's the conversation I wanted to have when we did that movie night, and we yeah. did not have that discussion we, we, because that, nobody cared. The conversation never came up, um, and that I had notes on that. Oh, well, you should have. You should have been like, "Hey, let's talk about this." Um, I tried. That was when you walked out. Yeah, but um, and nobody, literally, nobody cared. So that's sad. But to be honest, I feel like that says as much about how well the movie explored the theme as it does the people discussing it because if no one's interested in it then clearly the movie didn't do a good job to me the one interesting there are maybe two interesting things that that movie is actually trying to say clearly Mm -hmm. um first there's a whole like meta commentary about um the future of humanity and how ai are just gonna eventually overtake us or something like that yeah i don't remember a lot of that because i wasn't really focused on it and i felt like the movie just kind of had that as a side conversation. The main yeah. thing was humanity is often defined by like rage and manipulation over love and goodness. Because yeah, because that's basically how they defined humanity. You're right, Ava. That's her character. She seems the most human because she manipulates Caleb. I think is his name. Um, See, I just I don't think she's the most human. Or I, like, I, like she didn't come across like to when me. she becomes, the if she becomes human, she becomes human because she manipulates him. Yes, but so here's the thing: I think Caleb was the most human character in the movie. I'm, I'm not saying who's the most human character. I'm saying like 
it when does Ava reach humanity? And if she does, I don't think she. That's the question. Did she reach humanity in that movie? Yeah. I just. I, I don't know. My I guess my thing is the movie doesn't have a lot to make that a super interesting conversation for me. Um, cause she either reaches it by being manipulative and awful and then yeah. humans suck and Oscar Isaac is manipulative and Domino Gleason is manipulative in their own ways, which I think is true. Yeah. I don't, but if that's the case and that's the end of that theme and that's like not an interesting conversation to me. There's no, if that's the theme, then the conclusion is that humanity is only humanity really, sucks. humanity sucks. And it's just a, a collection of survival instincts. Yeah. That's all it is. Basically the conclusion of the movie is all we are is our egos. Yeah. That's the conclusion. Which like would be an interesting conversation, but they, this is, this is the thing that drives me about this movie is I feel like that theme isn't actually explored it's just stated mm. and so yes. it's not engaging to me and i like here's here's the thing and this is why i had to keep going back to like data from the next generation right. um cuz with data like, that's like constant that epi- conversation through the show yes that's like literally the the core well one of the core themes mm. of next generation is what does it mean to be human i i think it's interesting cuz almost all of the best Star Trek characters come to that conversation. Like every show has data or Spock or um, the doctor or like Odo. Odo. Like there's always that character so that they can talk about humanity and what it means to be human. And they're always the best character in the show. Well, I don't know. Is Odo the best character in Deep Space? Odo's pretty freaking good. I don't know if I'd say he was the best, but he's up there. Other conversation. Um, but in, in Measure of a Man in The Next Generation, um, there's a whole, basically a trial about whether or not data should be considered sentient. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have three categories to determine whether data is sentient. It's right. self-awareness, intelligence, and consciousness. And of course, one of those is a lot harder to determine than the other two. Yeah. Um, consciousness. In case you didn't get that. And so, like, it seems clear, like, in if we were to apply those criteria mm-hmm. to Ex Machina, like, Ava's clearly sentient. Yeah. Like, she she is clearly conscious. She's making her own decisions. Mm-hmm. She's manipulating. Yeah. Um, but is, is Ava human? And that's, like, like in The Measure of a Man, it's never determined whether Data is human. The, the whole question right. is about whether he's sentient. Right. The rest of the series is about whether he's human. And you never get that conversation in this in this movie with Ava. It's, it's yeah. you could just say she's sentient. Period. Yeah. End of the movie. But in the next generation, what we learn that makes Data human is empathy, right? And charity, right? Um, there's one episode later where basically a collection of um, little sentient robots take over the en- the enterprise the borg i'm episode. assuming not the borg like little tiny like microscopic robots so, so replicators i don't know i'm thinking stargate sg1 that has replicators okay no this is just a, a one-off episode i'm pretty sure i i, I don't i don't remember I the episode maybe, you're talking about maybe wesley creates them or something I that don't sounds remember. about right um anyway they end up being sentient and data 
<laughs> basically argues for their survival, saying that they can't just be killed because they're also, like, to some extent, like, sentient, just as he is. Mm-hmm. And he has this conversation at the end of the episode with Captain Picard about why he acted on their behalf. And it was because, like, Picard acted on his behalf hmm. in Measure of a Man. Hmm. And Captain Picard responds by saying, well, that was the most human thing you've ever done. Hmm. And that, to me, is, like, the thesis of what the next generation is trying to say about what it means to be human. Right. See, that's really, really interesting to me because I just finished playing Prey 2017, which has almost mm. the exact same conclusion. Yeah. Um, and it, I, really? I really want to talk more about this game, but nobody has played it, and I doubt any of our yeah. listeners have played it. But um, <laughs> I guess in, in very short summation, Prey 2017 is really interesting and has kind of a clumsy end but it's still good. Mm-hmm. Have you played Bioshock, Noah? No. Okay. Because it's they're both inspired by System Shock. It's just Prey does a better job of it, and Bioshock's ending is worse. Because Bioshock has a really good twist, and then everything after the twist sucks. Mm. Um, but one of the questions that gets raised in Prey, kind of towards the end of the game, is, hey, we can give ourselves, like, Typhon abilities, Um We've been making ourselves more like the Typhon to fight these things. What if the solution is actually to make the Typhon more like us and teach them empathy? Which is a really interesting question um, that the game doesn't go into. This is my big frustration with the game. Is it has a lot of really interesting questions that it doesn't dive into. Basically, you start finding like a couple different iterations of yourself as robots that are giving you like conflicting instructions and it's like, what is truth? But then the game doesn't really answer that question. It's all pretty cleanly resolved. Anyway, play Prey, because it's freaking great. Except for maybe the last 10 hours, but it's still pretty good. My whole okay. point my whole point is empathy is a question. I don't know. I don't know if any of that made any yeah. sense. And I feel like to kind of wrap it back and wrap it up with um, Ex Machina, um... There's this moment near the end of the movie where Ava... I just went on like a 10-minute rant about something that no one has any idea what I'm talking about. You can cut all of that if you want. We'll see. Um, Anyway, Ava ends up seeing a bunch of uh, other previous robots flying around. And she takes their skin and puts it on her own. And then she locks Caleb up to die and leaves. Um, So here's, here's the thing about that moment. I feel like that is fundamentally how um, the movie describes humanity and also how the director maybe believes humanity is. Yeah, I don't know. Because here, here's the thing is that it's entirely superficial. Yeah. Humanity is wearing skin. Mm-hmm. That's how Ava understands humanity. Mm-hmm. You've got to look the part and that's that's it. The human response would be to not lock Caleb in a box, but to... <laughs> like empathize with the guy and take him out mm-hmm. regardless of what the the damaging repercussions of that could be because again he could rat her out and like ruin her life basically right um but that's the empathetic thing that's the human thing to do mm-hmm. like if, if data were in that situation right right with with a human being like that data wouldn't leave the human to die no but data's not um, evil 
Yeah, exactly. But that's that's my point. If Ava is what it means to be human, which is entirely egoic and superficial, mm-hmm. is that what the director believes it means to be human? See, this is my question. You haven't seen Annihilation, have you? We we watched it together. Oh, did we? Because Annihilation has a, a vaguely similar question with possibly a similar answer. Because um, the whole like conclusion of Annihilation is kind of like, yeah. is, is this an evolution of humanity or is this something darker? Um, and it leaves that pretty ambiguous. But it's still asking similar questions about like the evolution of humanity and like what does it mean to yeah. effectively replace humanity. Yeah, no, yeah, actually, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Okay, well, um, I don't know how that wrapped up. I don't know. That anyway, maybe maybe Ava's just a human stripped of her humanity. Maybe every that that's also a good point because that's all she really knows. Um, is freaking Oscar Isaac's character? Exactly. I, I don't know how we got talking about Ex Machina. I don't think that was relevant whatsoever. Because there were things that I needed to say that I didn't get to say because the conversation took weird twists. Okay. Back when we had a discussion on this movie. Yeah. See, here's the thing. Unlike, I think, most people in that group, I actually found the movie discussed these questions, and I found that interesting, which made me maybe enjoy the movie more than other people. I think it definitely discussed these questions. I just... I found that it jumped to a conclusion as opposed to having an internal debate about it. Mm. Like, the the movie is just kind of a, a thesis as opposed to a conversation. Uh, yes. No, I agree. A hundred percent. And and that was, like, not super exciting for me because I'm like, I I understand your thesis. I I want more. Yeah, no, totally. But this is why I don't bring up these discussions in group setting. You should. Because then people no. will be able to have a conversation. I'm the only one who finds this interesting. I don't know if that's true. Good lord, my insecurities make me sound so arrogant and egoistic. I'm saying this because I don't think people would want to talk about it. I'm not saying it as in, like, my thoughts are more interesting than everyone else's thoughts, which is kind of how I think this is coming across. You should have brought it up earlier. Yeah, but everybody else was talking. I feel like we talked in circles a little bit, though. Their their focus was on things that I didn't even think about during the movie, to be completely honest. I guess that's fair. I was useless. Um, <laughs> I still think Ada is a better version of Ava. Yeah, absolutely. Ada from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Not only is she a better Ava, she was also a better Ultron than Ultron was. Yep, true. That's why season four of S.H.I.E.L.D. is it's like, so, seriously one of the best. It's so good. I'm going to watch it soon. Because I have been... I was re-watching S.H.I.E.L.D. with my brother-in-law and my sister. Um, mm-hmm. And we got into season three. And then I missed a chunk of season three because I was doing stuff. And now I'm like, the last season comes out at the end of the month. I need to binge everything. Yep. And I have season three and four on Blu-ray. So that makes it super easy to binge because I don't have to go looking for sketchy online stuff. Yeah, I recommend season four. Season four. Season four is probably the peak of that show. That said, I have a soft spot for the first half of season two. Just because okay, yeah. uh, that's the only part of the show 
where it's actual like genuine spycraft. Yeah, true. Because it's like shield versus Hydra with people with superpowers in the mix and building up to one of the best mid-season finales in that entire show. And then... Yeah, but also sad. Very sad. No spoilers. No spoilers. Look at us. But then, yeah, season four is amazing. Like, Ghost Rider is amazing. And everything... (sighs) It's just so good. Everything with the framework is so good. Yep. Something I've been thinking about with that show... uh, This is, I guess, again, us going on tangents that no one... Of none of our listeners have any attachment yep. to. Um, but something I really appreciate about that show is I remember, like, I've watched that show week by week since day one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember coming, like, towards the end of season three, and Agent Carter was canceled. Um, something else was canceled. I don't remember. But there is this whole atmosphere of, like, the show might be ending soon. And then Mm -hmm. they came back for season four and like every season since season three, um, cause season four had the whole framework arc, uh, season five went out of its way to tie up every arc that they could, except for like one or two, because they were, if this might be our last season and we want it to feel like our last season, season six was super rad and fun. And then season seven, they know it's the last season. So it is going to be conclusive. And it kind of feels full circle a little bit. Um, so they, they they just have gone out of their way to involve the fans while also being good script writing. I don't know. Yep. It's really fun. And it's also following the uh, Star Trek um, plan. The seven season rule? Yep. But you know one thing that S.H.I.E.L.D. really gets right is what it means to be human. Nice. Good try. Hey, hey. Yes. You know, to be human is to empathy. And when you're having conversations about sensitive subjects with people of different groups, you need to have empathy. Yep. That's exactly what I was wrapping up into. We did it. Because on S.H.I.E.L.D., you've got plenty of characters that aren't hu- that aren't like genetically human that are still human i i in rewatching, i really appreciate how season two takes fitz's situation at the beginning of season two and helps mm. and uses that so that he empathizes with people's positions at like the end of season two it's good stuff everyone everyone should be more like fitz except for when you shouldn't yeah, except for when um, you're the doctor. Yeah. That could refer to so many different things. But in the context of S.H.I.E.L.D., don't yeah. be the doctor. Yeah. I I love how the doctor is genuinely the most terrifying villain in that show. Because he has literally no empathy. Yeah. It's true. It's actually true. And that's what makes him almost robotic. Yeah. Probably because that that's what Ada's idea of a lover is like. Probably. So that wraps it up with the empathy. Sure. Somehow we are redoing episode two. Was that was that our was that our episode? That was that empathy. That was the title of episode two. We I we talked about that recently. Um, empathy is just really important, though. It is. People need it. 
Yeah, someone. But is what makes us human. I, I sent it to Noah because somebody, somebody on Twitter made the exact same comment that we did, where we somehow tied the Last Jedi into Trump. And oh, yeah. somebody made the exact same connection because I think that was the episode that we did that. I forgot that we did that. We're great. We're so good at this. We talked about a lot of things that episode, so I kind of got confused. That was your idea. Yeah, we talked about a lot of different things this episode, too. Yeah. But uh, we wrapped it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when you find a dinosaur. Um, you got to empathize. You know, okay, here's. I'm going to stretch this a bit, but technically. <laughs> What makes us human is the ability to see um, the good in everyone. And dinosaurs can't do that. Well, no, but in, in some way, seeing the good in everyone is the same thing as seeing Christ in everyone. That's good. And that is the exact question I asked Orin about when he found the dinosaur. And so in a way, regardless of whether you call it Christ or God or um, the divine, the inner light, the, the eternal mind the absolute ground, um, the Buddha, the etc. I could make, I could go on. I've been reading the perennial philosophy, so I can see um, that. Yeah, this this fits. Um, basically, it's seeing the divine in other people and in and in all things that allows us to empathize, and that's what really defines what it means to be truly human there in the go. most absolute terms. You know, we should really work on having more guests on this podcast. In fact, we're going to have new guests every episode. Nice. Because that was always the plan. <laughs> what a shame. We, we had Sarah Fenn, um, and then we had Orin. Here's the thing. Sarah Joy and us aren't on speaking terms. But yeah, okay, we have people that we'd like to have on, but it's hard. Yeah. Because we're free at 1 a.m. and no one else is. This was This was literally me being like, when do I feel free to have like a random conversation about crazy stuff when my parents aren't awake and might barge into my room? Because I am that home right now. That is a good point. We're back in Glendon's bedroom, just in a different fashion. I mean, Noah isn't in my bedroom. I'm only in my bedroom. I'm kind of in his bedroom spiritually. I, I don't want you to say that. No, but the I that is actually me and not the <laughs> egoic I, the, the eternal I... The eternal, the eternal eye is in the room with Glendon. In fact, the eternal eye is Glendon. So, is it possible for one to objectively study art? Wow. Okay, that's one we should talk about with Darren. Yeah, that that should be a different conversation. I don't want to get into that right now. That I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna say, like, that's one podcast I wanted to do. All of us drinking wine. And <laughs> I'm like, okay. No, that's a very different conversation. I mean, we can we can do that while doing that, but if we could get like a group of people together, I think that'd be a weird episode. <laughs> and that'll be our wrap-up music. Hello. Oh, uh, goodbye, Chicago. So on, Toronto. Um, eat, sleep, drink. Eat, sleep, rave, repeat.
Is this all going in the podcast? We had our outro like 10 minutes ago. Here's the thing. Sarah Joy and us aren't on speaking terms. 